Welcome to Roundhouse Roulette, a Walker, Texas Ranger podcast. Well, thank you for joining us as we recap and review one of the 200 existing Walker, Texas Ranger episodes, randomly selected by Roundhouse Roulette. I'm Evan Dalton, here with my brother Adam. Hello. And a man who once bought a total gym at a yard sale, Mr. Bob Leahy. You guys got any protein shakes? <laughs> well, we'd like to thank you all for joining us as we uh, witness the genesis of Walker's only spinoff, Sons of Thunder. Mm, mm. Mm. <laughs> and today we'll be recapping and reviewing Season 6, Episode 18, Undercover, where Walker must help a detective friend out of a tricky situation. But before we put on our leather coats, grab our Oakleys, and race our Dodge Vipers down to Thunder Karate Dojo, join us as we pull up a stool at CD's Bar and Grill. We've done it. That was quite the race. Yeah, we made it, man. It was, it was pretty hard to tell our cars apart because they were all bright red. Yeah, the rubber was peeling off my tires, but I made it. So, <laughs> But it looks like CD's got a beer that has got the same feeling as my busted tires here. CD is serving us a uh, New England IPA known as Sluice Juice. And this is from the <laughs> the Bent Water Brewing Company in Lynn, Massachusetts. This can, man, is uh, it's electrifying. It is. Yeah. Right? They might not have intended this. Probably not. But this reminds me very much of uh, He-Man's Noble Steed Battle Cat. Ooh, deep cut. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That lime green with the uh, sort of orange-yellow lightning bolts all over it. What's the uh, menu say about this one? Oh, the menu calls this a perfectly executed New England IPA from the part of the country that made the style famous. I'm assuming that's New England. Built on quality ingredients and with a dedication to consistent flavors every time you drink it. It's a fridge staple, period, perfect haze, period. Period. That's that's kind of maybe one of the most vague uh, descriptions of a beer I've, I think I've ever heard. Well, you know, for all the really detailed descriptions we've had, they we've still drunk them and they still tasted like beers. So <laughs> true, true, yeah, yeah. You, are you saying you want to do that now? I mean, they didn't even talk about the hop cone, guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> what kind of hops does it use? Oh, what was the word I, from last time? Oh my uh, gosh, yeah, was the. Uh, the grainy uh, substance the or something. Uh, lu- lupulin. Lu- oh, yeah. Uh, lu- lum- lumulin? Lu- lupulin. Yeah. Okay. So, man. <laughs> well, I know uh, we don't know what we're talking about, but I know we can suck these down, so let's crack this sucker here. <laughs> mm. <laughs> something tells me if they call it sluice juice, they won't take themselves too seriously. Oh, no. 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 This one tastes great. It's really not bitter at all. I don't think it's overly strong, too. What's the ABV on this one? 6.5. Not too fruity, not too hoppy. I'm down to sluice, this juice. There we call it the perfect haze. I'd say one of the better things to come out of Lynn. Now, did it come out the way it went in? Ooh. Oh, man. That's the only one joke no one wants. Got to keep that one in. Oh, Lynn, Massachusetts. (laughs) Shout out. Yeah. Um, we've got, you know, a backlog of stuff to talk about here. So let's dive in here. All right, let's do it. So, um, if you wanted to feel the warm and fuzzies, just think of Chuck Norris giving an 83 year old woman the thrill of her life as he gives her a black belt in karate. Yeah. So apparently he awarded her, her black belt, uh, which is pretty crazy to be earning that at 83 and, um, you know, Norris is 81. So that's... Pretty crazy. She said, Norris was so kind, he's 81, and he made some comments that uh, he had not been exercising at all that much recently, and that I inspired him to go back and to begin training again, and uh, that made me feel very, very good. So, uh, that's awesome. Uh, We want to give a shout out to Carol Taylor. Congrats on earning your black belt and uh, receiving it from Chuck Norris. So, mad props to both you guys. Mm -hmm. That's a fifth degree black belt. I don't know what that means, but um, that's many more belts than I ever got. Hmm. Yeah, but you know, once you go positive, you got to go negative. And Evan, I think Chuck was using his blog to uh, push his gold agenda again. Do you want to dig into this little article he wrote? Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, Let me see this. Just click on this. So 
It would appear that um, Chuck Norris is trying to drive up interest in people buying gold. And, you know, for those of you who maybe have dug deep into our catalog, uh, you may have found some instances where we talk about why Chuck Norris is trying to sell gold right now. And we're pretty sure it's because gold prices are really stable and they just want people's cash. Um, but there was a period of time about 20 years ago when um, everyone was selling gold instead. And yeah, we were talking... Gold. Yeah, cash for gold, <laughs> where you could basically get a giant envelope labeled cash for gold, stick it in your mailbox, and maybe it would make where it was going to go. I don't, I don't know. know. And maybe you'd get money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you scroll down there to his Instagram feed, there was another positive story I kind of wanted to jump in here. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. I just read a paragraph here, and we talked about this in the past, <laughs> about Walker. So... He says, my first purchase of gold was over 40 years ago. Believe it or not, I buried my first gold coins in my backyard. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I, I used to tell my mom back then that one day I was going to dig some buried treasure and give it to her for all the sacrifices she made early on in my life. She was surprised when I did just that. Incredible. So that's what we always theorized Walker did. He was like Ron Swanson where he just had a bunch of jars of gold buried out back and he can now, dig them up when he needed them if you're a celebrity do you really want to put out there that you bury gold in your backyard it's not just going to inspire people to like find his ranch and like well if you sneak onto chuck norris's ranch yeah, in the middle of the night thing. you're done <laughs> you're that's done probably, probably to be safe yeah, there's another sentence much. earlier in this article where he says uh, him and his wife gina we've been a big fan of gold and other precious metals for over 40 years to which i say how can you be a fan? Of- <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no one's not a fan of gold, right? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't. I mean, I have anything that's gold. Maybe the like connection on my headphones going into this. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've had our eyes on chromium for quite some time. <laughs> I'm actually more more of a bronze fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for them. They're very consistent, um, at least in hindsight. Uh, so let's go to <laughs> let's go to uh, Chuck's Instagram account here. So it's a mixture of his Gold Co. His current sponsorship with Gold Co. Uh, him holding up a gold coin or silver dollar. But uh, recently, I saw this, another positive piece of news here, which I thought was actually really cool. He says, "Tonight was a very special night for me and my wife Gina. We presented our twins, Danily and Dakota, their fifth degree black belt master certificates." My brother Aaron and UFAF president Ken Gallagher also joined us on stage for this honor. So we've got Aaron Norris, Gina, and their two twins, and they are now fifth degree black belts. I mean, guys, we got to stop critiquing Chuck Norris because he's going to send these his kids yeah, after us. He's, he's breeding an army. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know they did karate, so so the fact that they're fifth degree black belt is. That's pretty awesome. Fifth degree was the same that the 83-year-old woman got, too. So yeah. they're saying they can beat up an 83-year-old woman? Or no, it would be a good fight, I guess. No, I think that, he, that she would come after us as well. we got to stop talking about this. Okay. It would be a really, right. good, really good fight, but they have twin power, so I think they could take us out. Yeah, but they, they put up another picture of them. Um, uh, what does he say there, Evan? Here are some pictures of one of the proudest moments of my life that I recently got to experience. There are a lot of qualifiers to that sentence. When our when our wonderful twins, Dakota and Dana Lee, got their fifth degree black belts and I put their new uniforms on, they trained very hard to earn their master rank and have made Gina and I the proudest parents in the world. I love you both with all my heart. God bless. Chuck Norris. Yeah, I, I think that that's really awesome. And there's a cool picture of them. So congrats to them, and I think it's awesome that they're keeping up the family tradition. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you don't think that they had a little bit of an easier time getting to that fifth degree because of who their dad was? I'm just saying, you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where fifth degree is, but uh, I assume it's like black belt, and then you get one, two, three, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know, Bob, but um, let the record show that Bob was the only one throwing shade. <laughs> oh, at, no, 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 wait, uh, never mind, never mind. Look at the triangle on Danny's uniform. It has five stars in it, 
And then look at the triangle on Chuck's. Oh. It's full of stars. Yeah. So he must be like a 10th degree black belt or something. So they've wow. got a ways to go. Yeah, a little ways. I, Still pretty good, though. I think they've gone far enough. I don't want them to be any more <laughs> uh, badass because I'm I'm getting a little scared already here. So, um, But shout out to them. That's awesome. I, I think that's cool. Evan, take this next one here. This, I think, will do a listen. Oh, so our new super fan, Katie Rob, says that while she was listening to the rattlesnake part of the uh, plague episode we recently did, uh, I kept thinking I'd heard this story before. So one dive down the rabbit hole later, I've come up with this, which is a uh, video of Chuck Norris talking on the Late Show with David Letterman in 1996. Um, Yeah, so I'm just going to hit play on that and and here we go and for those who didn't listen to that episode check it out plague it's uh, another instance of a uh, walker imitating life in this case walker does covid and uh to start the episode uh, he's in a snake capturing contest with his uh, fellow cherokee nation buddy sam coyote and uh, he goes to grab a rattlesnake and it totally tags him like completely or it yeah. tags whoever's hand is, goes in to, to grab the snake. Well, um, you know, I may have watched this video before um, we hit play here, so we might hear a little bit about that. This particular scene I'm doing is where I'm out with a, my Indian blood brother, and what we're going to do is uh, catch a, each one of us catch a snake, and whoever, whichever snake has the most rattle, rattlers on it, the other one has to cook it. Right. Now, let, let me interrupt again. Do, do the real Texas Rangers have blood brothers? <laughs> no, I, because my, char- my character in the show, I'm half Cherokee. In, in real life, oh, I am, really? too. Yeah. No, in real life, you're in half real life, Cherokee. I'm half Cherokee. You know, I, I, I know a lot about you. I don't think that I knew you were half yeah, Cherokee. Yeah, I'm half Cherokee and half Irish. Now, when you see this, we're going to show this to you. Chuck, have you explained it that you go out to catch the rattlesnakes? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, now uh, we're going to show the real yeah. one first and then the one Yeah, that right. Yeah, what we're doing here, again, like I said, is to, uh, catching the rattlesnakes. Well, with the actor, the one that plays my brother, they just handed him the snake. Right. You know, so you hang on to the snake, and you, but, but with me, had I had to, to go it. down and yeah. actually because snatch you're, it off you're, the ground. You're Walker, Texas Ranger. Well, they want to, yeah, they want to see me do it. Exactly. Sure. So Here we go. the Take snake is totally defanged, of course. Um. <sighs> hey there. Yeah. 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 So now that looks fine. Yeah. So. But now we'll, now we'll show you what really happened in slow motion. All right, watch this very carefully, slow motion. There, there's his hand, there's Walker's hand, the right hand. There's the snake. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. The audience is beside Yeah, he got me. <laughs> like what, you see that every day on the subway? <laughs> um, man, are you all right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the first time I did the take, I, I actually got it. You got it, fine. And I picked him up, did the whole scene. Yeah. He said, okay, take two. Mm-hmm. Take two, the snake was ready. He says, try it again. <laughs> Second time I tried to grab him, of course, he was waiting, came around and got me. Got you, right? It yeah. Was the, it very, very painful? Well, it was like two needles going into the hand, and but it hit a vein, and blood was flying all over the place. Now, those uh, those uh, rattlesnakes, they're uh, deadly poisonous. Yeah, well, this one supposedely, well, it was devenomized, but after I... How had, do they devenomize them? What do, what do they, they do? They uh, actually cut right into the, in the inside well, they, the they gums take, there. They take out the, yeah, the venom gland. The, gl- the gland. And, uh, but anyway, I had to shoot about three more hours of the show, and then I ran, Then they had to take me to the hospital. The snake totally got him, but they had, yeah, they had devenomized the snake. What we really saw was that um, you know, my skills as a zoological consultant for the show have been <laughs> confirmed, and uh, that the person who did indeed capture that snake in the first place, which in fact was Chuck Norris, uh, got tagged. <laughs> And in that scene, he says, oh, you almost got me in the in the thing. And that's because that part was from the first take. But the second take had him actually getting bitten by the snake. And what's fascinating to me is that they kept that scene in the show, even though he caught it the first time. And then they <laughs> edited it to the second scene. Mm. <laughs> yeah. On David Letterman, they played like a perfectly edited version of the scene that should have gone in the episode, but instead they left in the clip where his hand got bit in the final version. Mm-hmm. Anyway, props to uh, Chuck Norris for actually wrangling that rattlesnake twice. Mm-hmm. Here's the question. Did he just let himself get bit because he didn't want to do another take? 
Or did the camera guy like mess up the first take? That's probably what really happened. Like, oh, that was good, but let's do it again. Yeah, I don't think anybody actually, you, you know, would get bit by a rattlesnake on purpose. Not even Chuck Norris. No. But, you know, three days later, that rattlesnake died. There's a Chuck Norris joke in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Sad news this last week. Evan, you want to take this next thing here? Uh, the bass player for ZZ Top, Dusty Hill, has passed away, unfortunately. Yeah, and they are a huge Texas band, so relevant to our podcast here. Totally, totally. Have you seen the top, Bob? I did see them uh, two years ago. Okay. It was their 50th anniversary tour. And uh, what, what's the review here? Um, I was just excited to be in the same space as those yep. guys. And now their stage moves for a trio are pretty on point, right? Well, it's really only the two guys up front. But yeah, they do some synchronized walking moves. and Yeah. I don't think they said the spinning guitars. Um, yeah. Would you say that they have legs and they know how to use them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. <laughs> and they're very sharply dressed. and um, They wear sunglasses, so. They definitely do. And they move around uh, not as well as they probably did, but uh, they still shred. Billy Gibbons and Dusty Hill, their little routine they had worked out for mm. all the songs made the band, really. You know? Yeah. But um, we got to give a shout out to Dusty Hill here because mad respect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, you guys, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I couldn't record next week because I had plans. And uh, this kind of ties together because I went to see ZZ Top a couple of years ago up at this venue in New Hampshire. And that's where I'm going to be next week. Not seeing ZZ Top, obviously, but seeing... Limp Biscuit. So think about that for a second. What do you guys think? Is that kind of like people <laughs> just sitting at like an airport terminal to people watch? Um, for me, uh, a bit. Yeah. I mean, there was a time uh, that I liked that band when I was 15. And I have some friends that still like them somewhat ironically, uh, probably a lot more <laughs> than I do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was kind of talked into this. And then I recently watched that Woodstock 99 documentary. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. I need oh, to watch that. you've got to see that. It's so depressing. Yeah. But yeah, so that was my, that's my news for the week. You sure you want to put that on the podcast? Oh, that's fine. I'll follow up, you know, the following week with okay. a full, re full report. <laughs> well, uh, Bob, I hope you don't get stabbed. No, I think it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a lot to cover this week, so let's get on into it. If you're watching along at home and don't want any spoilers, hit that pause button and watch Season 6, Episode 18, Undercover, and then come right back to us. Welcome back. Let's dig into it. This episode originally aired on March 7th, 1998. What a time. What a year. And it opens, uh, you know, with some familiar music. Her name was written on the subway graffiti. No, oh, was it? It's the same beat from that song, but oh, they don't okay. go into yeah, the words. No, it wasn't the yeah. same song, but, but yeah. It was, say, if I no, missed that, I would have been. It's definitely the same song, Adam. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> yeah. it was just yeah. the intro? Yeah, they, they just the didn't let it. it so. It's like the story of my life is written in graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> I like to eat pasta and sometimes ziti. <laughs> but yeah, some some you know mean hip hop beats, and I was waiting for the lyrics to start, but I guess they just don't. They cut it off before. Oh yeah, you know it's an epic zoom transition onto the Dallas nightclub scene, and uh, zoom in on a bang and red Dodge Viper uh, <laughs> convertible pulling up to uh, this nightclub, and who's behind it? But the uh, actor Marco Sanchez, who plays Detective Carlos Sandoval, one of two members of the Sons of Thunder. Yeah. They were like the proto-Sydney and Gage. Right. In the middle of Walker, Texas Ranger, they're like, you know what? We need to get some fresh blood in the show. What if we bring in two male characters? Like a buddy what? cop thing. Yeah. Chuck Norris is tired of getting bitten by rattlesnakes. Let yeah. somebody else do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, pretty much. That might have been the uh, what what spurred this on. But we know them as Carlos and Trent. 
So they kind of came in at the tail end of season five. It's kind of a backdoor pilot for their spinoff series. It's called Sons of Thunder. And that's the name of the episode of Mocker, Texas Ranger, where they first appear. And that happened on May 4th, 1997. So that's when they were first introduced. Uh, And I looked that up because I was kind of wondering if this was our first introduction to Carlos. Because if this was, we wouldn't know who he was and what happens next would have more weight. But being that we've seen the show, we know who this character is. It's Carlos. He's a detective and he's tight with Walker. He's riding a banging car. Let's see what he does next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as we know about Detective Carlos Sandoval, what he does next seems pretty out of character. And that's he kind of owns this nightclub. He uh, hands the bouncer, whom we recognize. He is illustrated in a walkerstration, uh, biting Walker's head. This actor, um, I don't know who he was, but he's he's a really big guy, and he's in a few scenes just really quick. He doesn't get a lot of screen time in this episode, but he's a perfect goon for Walker, um, and uh, he's kind of like the bouncer that lets Carlos in or something. Oh, yeah. Carlos goes in, and uh, Bob, can you describe what this nightclub is like? I mean, he's the life of the party. First of all, he comes in, he owns the room. Mm. Okay. Mm. The music was interesting. I was jamming out a little bit watching this. Um, People dancing really awkwardly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know how how to best this. It it had a very 80s vibe, but. Mm. There are never enough strobe lights. At least that's what the the club owner thinks. Yeah. 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 And so he, he like makes small talk with people and he makes his way to the back and goes upstairs to like, you know, the, the secret hideout. He's macking on the ladies. There's a lot of yeah. face touching <laughs> he does. It's a little odd. Yeah. And yeah. he stops on some uh, blonde and and she's like, why don't you call me? And he's like, oh, baby, I will. And then he then he moves on. Yeah, he's a bad boy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. here's the question. How does his hair stack up to like Black Fox's hair? If Black Fox is a 10, where would you put Detective Sandoval's hair? I'd give him a 7. It's close, but it's... It's pretty solid. Yeah, 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 it's a solid 7. But he doesn't get the style points that Black Fox does. Right, yeah. It's more just like feathered back, yeah. you know? Yeah. Doesn't have the waves. Yeah. He's got great hair, um, Carlos. I think we talked about it in previous episodes of Roundhouse Roulette, how awesome his hair is. But um, it's it's pretty stunning. In this yeah. episode as well. So it's yeah. a good head of moss. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he uh, makes his way up to the back office, which, you know, in flashy clubs like this, as we all know, that's where murder and mayhem exists and drug deals go down. And, you know, he goes to see Johnny. And there's a little bit of tension there. Johnny is presumably the club owner and also a small-time drug dealer. And apparently, uh, at this point, we're aware that Carlos is kind of some sort of undercover agent. Hmm. Right. Which you wouldn't really know that if you had never seen an episode of Walker before, which is why I said that comment earlier. If you're just tuning in, you're like, oh, this guy's a club owner and he's dealing drugs. You think Carlos is a bad guy. So Hmm. for sure. You guys notice the strobe lights were also going on in the in the back room. Oh uh, yeah, you'd think they <laughs> they'd have them like turn the strobe lights away from the office because it, it's jarring. <laughs> yeah, trying to do business back there. Yeah, I'm trying to count this cash, this off the books cash, and the strobe lights in my face. My henchmen keep having seizures. <laughs> um, so while uh, Carlos is hanging out with Johnny, bodyguards bring in this guy Ricky who, you know, is a pretty sad sack. And um, initially I thought Ricky was acted really well because I thought he was like a guy who was on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) But But then via the context of the conversation, it became clear that he was actually a drug dealer that was skimming money and Johnny wasn't happy about that. And so Ricky was just really nervous. And so instead of like the actor, like, getting it down that he was like a drug addict instead the actor was clearly just like over nervousing it if that's a word i mean being a drug dealer and doing drugs are not mutually exclusive evan if you're a good drug dealer there oh well ricky was overselling the part yeah (laughs) Uh, okay 
Okay. Well, I beg to differ. I think he did a good job, but... Uh, well, his acting is short-lived because Johnny makes an example of him and shoots him. Yeah. This is kind of where you get a sense, oh, maybe Carlos is undercover because he's like, oh, Johnny's going to kill this guy and I don't want to be here. Yeah. He's like, I'll catch up with you later. He's like, no, you're going to stay here. Yeah. You're going to watch this. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Hmm. And uh, Johnny, the the big bad guy club owner, shoots Ricky who was skimming cash right in front of Carlos. And he gives a long lecture all about trust. Mm-hmm. Which, and, you know, uh, yeah, that's all we've got in life is trust. So, you know, Johnny's not wrong. So true. So that's what Carlos has to think about during his drive home in his sick Dodge Viper. While he's doing that, we get these really weird flashbacks. We not only get like <laughs> visual flashbacks, but audio flashbacks in this episode a few times. Of things that happened less than five minutes before. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Well, they've already a lot got of the that. tape, you know, just roll the tape. A lot, <laughs> so, lot of that. Lot in case that. you forgot what happened last scene. <laughs> right. So Carlos pulls up to his bachelor pad. You know, he parks his crazy awesome convertible right out front of like this CD warehouse and rides this freight elevator up to his apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, while he's busy flashing back and holding a can of bent water to right. his what? head. Which he pulled from the college refrigerator from the plague episode. It looked like the same white college refrigerator. (laughs) Say, is it the antidote in there? Yeah, the the, uh, virus antidote probably was in that same fridge. Yeah, it's a famous fridge. And while that happens, his elevator starts working again. And, you know, he's like, oh, I'm not expecting company. Who's this? So he hides behind a pillar with his gun pulled. Right. And if you had never seen an episode of Walker... You might have thought something nefarious was about to go down. So you're saying this would have been good if you'd never seen the show before? I'm saying if you didn't know who <laughs> Carlos's character was, there might have been an inkling of suspense. Sure. <laughs> Instead, what happens? He pulls his gun, hides around the corner, and you're like, okay, Walker, when are you going to walk out around the corner? And that's exactly what happens. Walker and Trevette are checking up on Carlos, and they're like, how's this thing going? And you're like, oh, he is undercover. Roll credits. Bear it out. Yeah, so that was the cold open. And uh, now we've got back in with uh, Carlos, and he's got his um, book report poster board all set up in his little study there with all of the people in the gang. He's telling Walker and Trevette all about the gang structure and what just happened. And he just witnessed a murder. And Walker's all like, I think we better shut this thing down. We got to move in. You know, what you've got is enough to take down Johnny. That's more than enough. Yeah, and he's like, oh, man, no, just give me a little bit more time and we can get his boss, El Vaquero. And there's like a picture at the top of the chart that has no photo in his name. And they're like, we're going to identify him, but we haven't yet. Wasn't El Vaquero in another episode? I distinctly remember Adam saying El Vaquero just like that. <laughs> well, it's possible. Vaquero means cowboy. So, oh, okay. So, uh, the cowboy. Interestingly, the DVD synopsis description misspells Vaquero. It adds an I into it, and I am transferring that onto the website because I feel like we need to be accurate to the original Walker media. No, the original pressing. Yeah. And I will also say, while we're on that subject, Listen to this description, Evan, that you typed out. Here's the uh, DVD synopsis for the episode Tribe. This is the one with uh, Sam Coyote trying to get some from the archaeologist. <laughs> the chief of the Cherokee Nation is suspected of murder when the archaeologist who spurned his advances is found dead. Yeah, also not accurate because he's the police officer and not even like the chief of the police. Whoever did these DVD synopses for the Walker Texas Ranger DVDs did not even watch the episodes. Or they just got it completely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They watch it and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. They just missed all the points. They they could have watched it at like 4x speed. Uh, That's what they did, apparently. Okay, so Carlos is all bent on getting El Vaquero because, you know, he's like, well, if we just take down Johnny... You know, another Johnny will spring up. We need to get the head of the snake, so to speak. 
And Walker's like, okay, you've got another week. And then we move in. And he's like, yeah, Trevette, go warm up with the car. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to stick around here. And uh, I need to talk to Carlos one-on-one for a second. He's all like, yo, Carlos, I know this is personal. And um, you can't let it get personal. I know about your brother, Hector. And we're all like, oh, what happened to his brother, Hector? Q. <laughs> true gratuitous uh, flashback scene of young Carlos watching his brother Hector get gunned down by I guess a drug dealer I don't know yeah then it flashes back and we're like well I guess we know what happened to his brother he got shot yep and, there you go. Uh, by a drug dealer and um, you know maybe Carlos has a vendetta against drug dealers and Walker's like you can't make it personal man and Carlos is like hey it's personal but I'm going to keep my head about it. Walker's like, okay, that's enough. Right, yeah, that's legit. Flash <laughs> zoom transition to Thunder Karate Dojo. Carlos's buddy Trent Malloy runs this dojo, and we learn later in the episode that he was a messed up kid and was into trouble and stuff, and what saved him was Walker teaching him karate and uh, inspired him to open this dojo, and uh, he is pretty white bread, more like white shred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's leading up um, this karate class. And his little brother, who we see in other episodes, is kind of like second in command of the karate class. He's like Frankie Muniz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we get to see our first of several karate montages here. Yeah. And, um, and this episode definitely threw off some serious karate kid vibes. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean, this is like Karate Kid 1. Yeah, pretty much. They're heavily borrowing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we see a montage of Trent's students uh, sparring. And um, as with most karate montages in Walker, they go on for too long and have nothing to do with Walker uh, or the plot, really. Right. Uh, <laughs> so this is no exception. Uh, yeah. So then after that, one of the students loses a sparring event and uh, he says, don't think about losing. Even when you lose, think about learning from your loss. It's very zen. But then all of a sudden, the bombastic rival dojo owner, Lyons, comes in and he's all like, yo, that's really lame and dumb. And uh, you guys should totally come over to my dojo Cobra Kai. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Lion's Dojo. All right. Yeah. Cobra, Lion. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just sort of pathetically, desperately tries to get any of them to join his dojo by offering anywhere from a month to a free year of lessons at his dojo, which honestly, it's at this point, it's like, wait, these kids are paying to go to Thunder Karate? Maybe they should go to Lions Dojo. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't lose yeah, at least a couple. They didn't have any defectors. That's how good Thunder Dojo is, you know. And, right, uh, but but let's just say that Walker comes in and totally quashes any notion of that. He's like, boy, free year of lessons. That'd be a great deal if it was worth anything. Oh, Zing. yeah, dude just kind of walks out tail how between like his legs. Burn? He's like, this isn't over. You know, I'll see you at the tournament coming up. And we're like, of course you will. <laughs> uh, like the tournament in Karate Kid 1. Okay. All right. <laughs> and then, you know, John Kreese left. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> after that point, um, after Walker comes on the scene, Trent's all like, okay, class, scram. I got to go get shredded with Walker. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of like a one-on-one bro <laughs> sesh with uh, Walker and Trent Malloy. Again, Trent is probably at least half Walker's age, yet they both strip down. Uh, they're both shirtless. And what happens next is kind of amazing. It's kind of an in-episode advertisement for the Total Gym. I was going to say, I didn't check on that, but I was like, wow, they spent a lot of time focusing on this particular weight machine. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Chuck Norris had a deal with Total Gym. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they 100% just spend uh, it's like the the dumbest 5 minutes I've ever <laughs> no, I've ever it's, spent. It's, it's also like, some take of these the shirts best. off and let's get <laughs> Yeah, they're like, "Okay, let's take our shirts off and let's just limber up with this total gym." And they'd both just like stand there while the other one's exercising. It's like an it's like an infomercial and they're like, "Okay, five more. You can do it." <laughs> and Chuck Norris is like, "All right, then let's get your back." And then Trent's like, <laughs> It was like, "Oh, wow." <laughs> Oh no! Yep. And then they do some, some move some inventory, guys. You know, right? Then they do <laughs> yeah. some sparring. Uh, they do some uh, kickboxing with Chuck Norris's. Um, I forget his name, but I think he's actually a sensei at one of the Chung Cook Do places. Oh, cool! Um, and he's in a bunch of episodes. But they kick the pads on that dude for a while, and you know they take turns, and they're all like, "Oh yeah, it's awesome. This is great. This is really awesome." And then they do some judo sparring. Right. And now, um, so here, okay, I'm like, okay, they're trying to establish Trent as kind of a badass, you know, almost, you know, a successor to Walker potentially so that they can spin him off into their own TV show. And I'm thinking, is he going to win one of these sparring matches? Because they do two matches and Walker beats him both times. And I'm like, they got to let him win one, right? I mean, I know this is Walker, and Walker always wins. He doesn't let anybody win. But if they're trying to spin off this character for another TV show, maybe they'll let him win. What happens here in this final bout? Well, Trent has him pretty close. And Trent's like, come on, Walker, tap out. Come on, I got you. I got you. And once he said that, we all knew it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Walker just turns around on him, pins him. Trent taps out. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, Trent's like, "Man, I thought I had you there, man. What, what happened?" And Walker's like, yeah, yeah. "You got a little too confident." That's just a teaching moment, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> pay attention to these lessons. I mean, the first lesson we learned from Trent was learn from your mistakes, and the second lesson is don't get too overconfident, or else you'll make mistakes. Neither one of these lessons comes to fruition in the rest of this. So That's they, not true, actually. The first one does. You think so, huh? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, so after, oh. this, after this really dumb karate montage number two, we get to see uh, Trent and Carlos catching up in Carlos' sick Dodge Viper. And, uh, you know, this is where we get a bit more of their backstory and how we learn about how they were friends when they were kids. And Trent was at-risk youth until he, you know, found Walker. And they both bond over their annoyance with Walker's winning everything and being awesome at everything. And while they're doing this, (laughs) Trent looks over and he sees bros beating up a homeless guy. (laughs) And they both get out and they're like, hey, man can't do that and they they fight him off and it gives us some opportunity to see trent and carlos throw down some punches because let's be honest we kind of needed some rough housing here i know we saw some karate sparring but that wasn't between two people who hated each other yeah yeah so i know the episode really wants us to think that they're like batman and robin showing up on the scene of the batmobile and like beating up the bad guys but in reality like they just pulled up to three guys asking another guy about something they know nothing about the context or anything and they immediately jump to Just this one person's <laughs> right this one person's assistance and beat the crap out of the other guy they caught a vibe man sometimes you can they, just feel it yeah. like Batman right and robin sometimes they go on vibe you know they swing in and they make mistakes too yeah, so, you know, Trent is all, like, roundhouse kick, uh, aerial maneuver, karate finesse, and uh, Carlos is very much brute force, but they get the job done. The Sons of Thunder. But Carlos takes one in the chin. He wasn't as graceful as Trent. Let's yeah. just say that. Trent lets him hear about it, too. He's Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. But they save this homeless guy who's being accosted by some ruffians, and he says, thank you, if I can ever repay you. I certainly will. And, um, you know, if that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I thought they just used this scene to get a fight in and to move on to the next scene where Trent is training Carlos. But before they leave, Trent 
throws a 20 the homeless guy's way and says, hey, man, take care of yourself. They get back in the car and Trent's like, man, you took one on the chin. You need a little training for me down at the dojo. <laughs> and uh, just as we're all about to emit an enormous groan, uh, <laughs> we get karate montage number three where Trent <laughs> is training Carlos at the Coming dojo. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Yep. Yeah. 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 I don't think we need to say more about that <laughs> other than it's stupid. <laughs> they did keep their shirts on, at least. There wasn't a total gym ad. Well, True. There, there might be a section of the Walker audience that wanted them to remove their shirts. I being one. I, I would I would have preferred it. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to see how long the silence yeah, could go I mean, on. Same here. I held that as long as I could. <laughs> All right. It so back at commitment. It shows it, commitment. Yeah. yeah so uh, then we go back to uh, Walker and Trevette and they're meeting with Carlos and they're like, okay, here you go, Carlos. This is a giant suitcase full of tons of cash. Just tell Johnny that there's a new buyer in town and he wants to meet the real deal. He wants to meet El Vaquero. And this is how we're going to catch El Vaquero. And Carlos is like, oh, yeah, I'll lay this trap down. Yeah. And again, El Vaquero is the mystery boss. They don't know who he is. And so Carlos goes into Johnny and he lays it on pretty thick. And one would think is pretty convincing, but Johnny's a bit suspicious. Johnny has them raise a toast. They take a little drink see, And then uh, Carlos leaves and Johnny's like, hey. I got this glass. Lift these prints off, guys, and tell me who it is. Right. So we're like, he's suspicious of Carlos because Carlos was a little too eager asking to meet up with El Vaquero. Mm. And also, I think he was eager because that wasn't a giant suitcase of money. It was like a small briefcase (laughs) quarter filled with cash. They said it was like $50,000. I was like, if you're going to do a briefcase full of cash, fill it to the top. Yeah, I, right? I, I get, I get what you're saying. But at the same time, you, you put hundreds in there. I'll say I was a little underwhelmed, but <laughs> this crossed my mind too, and I counted 10 stacks of cash. This is heavy math here. Let me see this. So if you had 10 stacks of 500 $100 bills, that would be what's in that briefcase. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't very impressive to me. And again, I stand by it. If you're going to do a briefcase full of cash, you fill that thing to the top. Yeah, make them 20s and make it pop. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Do it right. once. Yeah. Yeah, even once. It'd be like a duffel bag. <laughs> <laughs> Takes longer, but it's easier to count. It yeah. works. It works. Yeah. So anyways, we know that, you know, trouble's afoot here now because they're going to figure out who Carlos is. Some detective and mm. it's going to come back to bite him. So, you know, if you are ready for it, Good on you, but there's no way you were ready for it because it's time for karate montage number four. And this is this is at the karate tournament, some sort of state tournament. It's not clear who Trent's students are and who uh, the rival students are necessarily, but Lions, the rival sensei. He's in black. He's yeah, he's, in black. he's yeah, all in black. Total, in black too, I think. Total Cobra Kai. Yeah. And his students are all wearing black too. And, you know, he's prowling around celebrating his team's brutality. <laughs> yeah. Very original storyline. <laughs> so original. Yeah. They're hanging out at the tournament. And, uh, you know, of course, Walker and Alex are enjoying the tournament, too. And this is you the know, first shot we see of Alex. And might I say her hair is fabulous, right? Let's pull it up. I didn't pay much attention. <laughs> yeah. I didn't pay much attention to it. I was more weirded out by the fact that. Anyone would think that an acceptable date would be taking someone to a karate tournament with people that you don't know. I mean, she seemed to be having a better time than Walker, so. She was having a great time, but still, like, what are we doing here? I mean, if you're in a relationship with somebody like Walker, you obviously know he's into karate, so you would support him in what he does. Also in the crowd, there's like an old guy. We don't know who he is. They're just like a bunch of people who are alone. Like, who would be at this tournament unless your kid is there or... It's just completely ridiculous. There it is. Yeah, she does have some good air going on. And yeah, super yeah. happy to be there. Okay, look at that old guy. guy. <laughs> look at that old guy. <laughs> who is that and why is he there? 
I mean, and his grandson's probably fighting. You know? Yeah, no we kidding, Evan. Come on, it's, it, he looks yeah. like a proud grandpa or a child molester. Yeah. yeah, but look at her hair. Alex used Pert Plus in this episode. That's all I'm saying. I've never seen her wear it like that. Well, this is the longest I think we've seen her hair ever. Maybe her hair isn't usually this long. And this is the you know this is a weekend too, so she was you know in party mode. Okay. Okay. All right. So karate tournament going on and they're all like, hey, you know, where's Carlos? We're starting to get a little concerned. We haven't seen him and he's about to bring down this huge sting operation. And um, And we're just blowing off steam at this random karate competition when we should be having his back. Yeah. We're dropping everything to go to the karate tournament. And to their credit, their observation is correct in that uh, Carlos should be at the tournament, but instead he's busy getting kidnapped by uh, Johnny's goons. Because they discovered that he's a detective. He's got some splaining to do to Johnny. So So much for trust, right? Yeah. Two goons, they show up at Carlos's place and he's like, oh, hey, guys. And the guy is like, no, 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 you're coming with us, man. He shoots out Carlos's tire on his sick wheels, his Viper. They throw him into the bad guy wagon and cart him off. Mm-hmm. And this whole like sequence is like interspersed going back and forth between Carlos getting kidnapped and the karate competition. This is how Walker, Texas Ranger does so much plot in so little time. They go back and forth, back and forth. Yep. So Carlos is brought up to this abandoned warehouse where Johnny's waiting for him. And Johnny informs him that not only is Johnny El Vicero which I pretty much knew immediately upon seeing Johnny. Yeah. He's way more big time. <laughs> He's got an El Vicero vibe. Yeah, and sure. they don't have enough time to introduce another character who would have any weight as El Vicero. So him being like, oh, my boss is actually me. <laughs> Carlos is like, oh, really? He's like, oh, not only am I El Vicero, but I also killed your brother too. Yeah, yeah, he throws that in there. At this point, we're all getting our calculators out trying to figure out the timeline, because that makes no sense. (laughs) Right. Well, it was like a twist that didn't need to happen. It was like, you just did a reveal. You don't need to do a secondary reveal on top of that. They needed to for the ending, and we'll get there, because that's just a whole other thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's gold. So again, in order to fit too much plot in too little time, uh, they (laughs) intersperse segments of... Trent's kid brother sparring against one of the rival dojos guys and Carlos getting beaten up. I kind of feel bad for enjoying every time that Carlos got beat up, but <laughs> they were trying to get information out of him. Maybe was that a thing? I, yeah. I, mean, I guess. What did they really need to know? Like Exactly. I guess they wanted to know who knew. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, AKA yeah. um, El Vicero. It was like, so who else knows about our operation? And then Carlos is kind of like joking back to him. <laughs> if I told you, I'd have to kill you. And then they punched him. And then they clip to another scene. And then they go back to it. And he's like, no, no, no. You're going to talk to me. And I think he does like some Rocky quote or something. And Johnny's like, funny. And then he punches him again and it clips to another scene. <laughs> you know, it's like back and forth, you know, interrogating Carlos. Karate tournament. Trent's brother, he ends up winning the tournament because of some advice that uh, Trent gave him. It's worth mentioning, though, that that was just the first match that he won. Trent made some comment like, you have to win like six more or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then Trent just leaves, right? Yep. Uh, (laughs) Yep. Pretty much. Walker and Alex. And he's like, good luck. the only one that mattered, really. Yeah. So, yeah, Trent's brother wins that. Meanwhile, Carlos kicks the gun out of Johnny's hand. And uh, tries to fight his way out, but ends up punching a couple guys down, runs into another room, and uh, gets shot in the back as he jumps through a window and lands on a car. Right. Um, So he's having a pretty rough day, really. Yeah. I was surprised he got shot in the back. Were you guys? I think he got shot twice, like up near the neck. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And then he jumps through this window, and I'm like, well, I know he doesn't die, so where's he going (laughs) to land? And he lands on like this old jalopy's roof. Really yeah, easy cushioning, right? Probably the best part of the episode, if I'm, if I'm <laughs> telling the truth there. Yeah, and so Johnny, a.k.a. El Vaquero. Sends his goons out. All right, go get him. Go make sure he's dead, you know? And they go down, and he's gone. And just as they're realizing that he's gone, uh, Walker is now scrambling the team. Walker, at the 
karate tournaments, like, look, we haven't heard back, and Trevette says he hasn't checked in, so something's off. We need to find where Carlos is. Now, good luck, little bro. Right. <laughs> they scramble a team. They're they're bringing down the hammer. Walker and Trevette, they start taking out the um, whole drug operation piece by piece while Trent goes around in uh, in his sick ride, which is way cooler than Carlos's. His ride is a 1970s powder blue Stingray Corvette with a cloth top. It's Way it's cooler. legit. How does he afford that on a on a dojo salary? I don't I don't know about that. But um, are you kidding? He's he doesn't give away free lessons. Yeah. Ah, all right. Okay. Okay. That's the fir- yeah. The first one's free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also worth noting that when Walker and Trevette bust the drug operation, Johnny's not there, and his two goons are not there either. They're out looking for Carlos, who apparently is MIA. And uh, we get a little window into what happened to Carlos. He actually got rescued by Charlie. Remember Charlie? Charlie was the homeless guy that they saved from the ruffians. Oh, the guy uh, we thought we'd never see again? Mm Mm-hmm. Who Mm -hmm. owed them a favor? Maybe we hoped we'd never see him again, but we see him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And apparently he um, was tailing Carlos to give him a favor when he needed it. I guess he was following him the whole time. He might have just been in the neighborhood. I mean, he lived in like a homeless encampment or something. He just happened to be walking by when Carlos fell out the window on top of the car. And figured he should probably rescue him. Yeah. Yeah. Instantly saved him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. brought him back to uh, his homeless compound. Yeah. This is so, this is so, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> They're just throwing these things <laughs> out. It's like, what's happening? There's so much plot in this episode. It's yeah. Amazing. So this, this homeless encampment has like a fierce rule of law and like a leader <laughs> it's like mad max <laughs> yeah it, exactly it's like mad max and the leader he's the head of this council that's shunning this one guy for stealing from someone else in the encampment and the guy's all like well you haven't seen the last of me and he leaves <laughs> of course we and it's like we're like <laughs> we've we- already got a bad guy in this episode <laughs> i know we're like what what just happened why are we seeing this <laughs> but uh you know of course this comes back because you know as johnny's goons are running around looking for carlos this guy who just got kicked out of the compound he's looking for revenge and he's all like oh yeah i know the guy you're looking for i'll take you right to him so Carlos's refuge down there in the encampment is pretty short-lived, unfortunately. Right. Fortunately, at the same time, Charlie remembers Trent's name and somehow finds Trent in his sick Corvette mm. and is like, hey, I've got your friend. He's hurt. We need to go help him. And so at the same time that they're tearing back to the homeless encampment in Trent's sick Corvette, Johnny and his goons are running back to the encampment in his Mercedes. And unfortunately, Johnny gets there first. And at this point, I'm wondering, Johnny has had his goons do everything for him the entire episode. Why would he now decide, oh, okay, I'll go along with my goons into the homeless encampment to make sure things get done? Well, I mean, how has him letting his goons do all the work panned out for him before now? Yeah, if you want something done right, you do it yourself. I guess so. So he goes in there and, you know, he's trying to lay down the law. He's like, okay, where is this guy? And Carlos's bed is empty. So they know that they're hiding him. Oh, I forgot to mention, Charlie told the patriarch of the... (laughs) Of the homeless encampment. That he was keeping someone safe. And they're like, whoa, man, you can't just bring some random person in here. This is not good. And Charlie's like, well, I gave him my word. And... And the guy's like, well, okay then. We'll respect the (laughs) fact that you gave him your word, but if you really respect him, you should probably get him to a doctor because the dude's been shot. Right, right. While this is all happening, we also missed that Walker and Trevette and everybody were busy getting warrants, and they now have like a task force of guys with jackets. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah. And again, pretty much her only line and thing to do in this episode Alex <laughs> was to procure the warrants for the so arrest. I got the warrants. That was their only line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anyways, uh, Johnny holds someone at gunpoint in order to uh, figure out where they're keeping Carlos. Not somebody, a 10-year-old girl. Yeah. 
And they're like, okay, sure. And so they'd taken Carlos pretty far away to another little shelter. They, I mean, this is... There's probably tunnels involved. I know. Yeah, I know. Tubes. It's very complicated. They're about to shoot him when Trent comes in, and saves the day, and does some sick ninja moves, and takes on three goons. But as he's dispatching the final goon, Johnny comes to and uh, holds Trent at gunpoint. This is the second person that Johnny's held at gunpoint before being kicked. And in this case, Walker comes in and saves the day for Trent. By shooting Johnny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, we're like, oh, is Johnny dead or did he just wound him? Yeah, he did. He's gone. He gone. He gone. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And we might add to while Walker is making his way to the point where he can rescue Trent from Johnny, there is an amazing scene where... Walker and Trevette are in the truck mm-hmm. and they're going after a bunch of the drug dealers and Walker like stops, oh, yeah. lets Trevette out. Trevette chases down a guy, takes him down expertly. How did he do it too? He runs up like side by side with the guy and as the guy looks over at him, he just punches him in the face. The it was like a out. running punch. Yeah, it was like a... <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, Trevette. Yeah, so Walker's driving, the guy's running away from him. Walker drives, pulls the truck up right next to the guy as he's running. He, like, grabs him and then, like, smashes his face into the side of the Dodge Ram and then <laughs> yeah. holds on to him and keeps driving as the guy's unconscious. Yeah, uh, uh, like, presumably holding him while driving. Right. Right. With one and, hand. And at this point, hand, yeah. Chuck Norris, not Walker, Chuck Norris kind of awkwardly acknowledges the fact that there's a cameraman riding shotgun. <laughs> There's a little nod. There's, yeah, there's something there. It's like, we got the take. <laughs> was that good enough? I have to imagine the guy who he knocked out was just standing on like a skateboard or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was the best part of the episode, let's be honest. Uh, Yep, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd have a hard time thinking of a better that one. That was the only person that Walker has any physical contact with in the episode besides Trent. I was going to say, the only yeah. other potential best part of the episode would be the total gym ad, I think. Yeah. Right. And, um, <laughs> and depending on your sexuality, that will um, play either way. So, right. Honestly, I was, yeah. I had a lot of feelings about that one. Sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically, Trent comes in to try to save the day, falls a little bit short, then Walker saves the day, and all is well with the world. They bring Carlos into the hospital. And, you know, he's healing, feeling a bit better, and they offer him a little bit more healing. Uh, Not only does he get physical healing in the hospital, but he gets some spiritual healing as well. And this this could be actually my favorite part of the episode. I'm going to take it back. Right this moment here Uh, is amazing. Bob, you want to play this out? uh, Not really. Um, (laughs) It's so so dumb. This, this, I was laughing out loud. (laughs) I know, I know. During this part. I mean, I don't remember exactly word for word, but did they, because they didn't know that. So there's a lot of like assuming that people knew what the other person knew in this next moment, but it kind of doesn't matter. So Carlos, who's in the hospital bed, right? He found out that El Vaquero was really Johnny. And he also found out that Johnny killed his brother. We don't know if Walker and Trevette know that, but it doesn't matter because they do. And they say, oh, well, we were talking to the goons, and they said, oh, your brother, who you thought was a drug dealer, he was actually trying to leave dealing drugs, and that's why Johnny shot him. So your brother is redeemed. And then it pans over to Carlos, who's in a hospital bed, and this is his moment to get a a primetime Emmy. He opens his mouth and utters half a word, and I'm like, oh, is he going to go for it? And... I think the editors were like, yeah, no, we're going to fade to him at a grave of his brother because he tried to act it and it wasn't going to happen, right? <laughs> he was like, I never knew. And then it was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole idea of that, too, is great because that's just something you would tell somebody when there's no way that they could ever find out that what you're telling him is completely false, right? <laughs> right, right. It's like you tell him, it's like, oh yeah, that's what he, we found this out. It's like, oh really? Or are you just telling me that so that I feel better about my brother? Like, right. It's, like it's, this it's, was Elvis's favorite chewing gum. Yeah. Go ahead and ask him. <laughs> oh, you can't. Okay. 
<laughs> so yeah, Carlos, his brother is redeemed. And, you know, last scene is the stereotypical Carlos at his brother's grave laying down some flowers. And then he gets into the sick blue Corvette with his partner in crime, Trent. And they cruise off into the sunset, leaving us to wonder, what did we just watch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, like goofy slapstick ending. That was something. I think that grave scene was added on because they're like, you know what? He really didn't stick the landing in the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> stick the hospital bed landing. <laughs> it's true. If you think about it, like, what are their favorite places to end? Their favorite places to end are CD's Bar and Grill, which we didn't oh, yeah. see once That's, in this episode. It's been too long. A graveyard. Mm-hmm. Or. The last one will be in a hospital bed. Yeah, hospital room. All right. Well, that about sums up this episode. We'd love to give a shout out to our friend and collaborator, Adam Lauritsen, who's been drawing the amazing Walker Strations we feature on our social media. Be sure to check out his other art on Instagram at adimaginationrunamuck. When we come back, it'll be time for us to each rate undercover on a scale of zero to 10 boots to the face resulting in our patented Roundhouse Roulette episode ranking, the complete results of which are available on our website, roundhouseroulette.com. Don't go away. Seriously, Bobito, what gives? I've got places to go, people to see. Move it, Evanito. Johnny wants to see you now. I'm sorry if this is an inconvenience for you. Time down, boys. What is this? What is this? What is this all about? You said you wanted to meet El Vaquero. I mean, sort of? Ow! Then say hello, detective. Wait, you're El Vaquero? Now, who else knows about our little operation? Well, I mean, pretty much the three people listening to this podcast do. And I'd wager the cavalry's already on the way. In fact, I'm placing you under arrest. Is that so? Ow! You really need to work out. Don't make me laugh, detective. You're going to die, but it's up to you if it's the easy way or the hard way. Now tell me about this podcast here. Of course. We here at Roundhouse Roulette have pledged to deliver the light of Walker, Texas Ranger to the world. If you'd like to join us in that mission, please share the podcast with a friend or leave us a kind review on Apple Podcasts. It truly helps other Walkerites find the cast. If you'd like to further support the show, be sure to check out our fine apparel and vintage action figures at roundhouseroulette.com or join the fun on our Patreon page. Most importantly, though, we thank you for listening. Nice try buying time with an advertisement, but your friends aren't going to help you this time. Babito, gun. Yes, Mr. J- or er, El Vaquero. Silence is special. Cocked and loaded. Now I'm really going to kill you, Ebonito. But if the twist that I've secretly been El Vaquero all along wasn't enough for you, I've got another farewell surprise for your parting thoughts. Ah, oh, cool. What? I killed your brother. Really? Yeah, that's right. And on top of that, I'm not really Johnny or El Vaquero. And your brother isn't dead. And I should know. Because I am your brother, and we're just acting on a podcast. Oh, mind blown. Can you guys untie me so we can get back to the show? Uh, nah, I don't think so. You're the worst. Well, that was fun. Welcome back. <laughs> what did you guys all think of this episode? I had some pretty high hopes, because we'd been away from the season for a while and hadn't seen these characters, so I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but really, it just was just too much going on. And there's no car chases. I mean, sort of, I guess, but no explosions. Too much dialogue, too much talking. And the whole idea of him being undercover is just kind of lazy. And it wasn't Walker undercover. It was... Right. Yeah, exactly. That too. Walker was barely in this one. And I mean, he did some sparring. We did get to see him shirtless. You know, I mean, that's a plus for you, gym. I guess. Yeah. That's good for you, but... Yeah. <laughs> mileage will vary but yeah. uh <laughs> so i'm putting this one pretty low i put this one as a three okay okay i guess the only thing i'll say that the transitions were pretty over the top that's the one thing i took away from it and okay. the ending the twist at the end or whatever 
was so ridiculous that I laughed at the television. So, <laughs> that, that that was, was nice. definitely so dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So dumb, it was good. Yeah. It's so like, I guess if it wasn't for those things, I'd probably have given this a one and one. Yeah. So. It's like, that really only has impact if we care about this character, and we don't. <laughs> you guys know this isn't Walker, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, Bob. You know, you guys can see right there, I've got the stats updated here, and um, we've got number of roundhouse kicks delivered by Walker, zero. Number of fights, including Walker, zero. Mm. Number of explosions, zero. Number of vehicle chases, zero. We can give him a half a vehicle chase, because Walker did chase down that guy, but we're going to have to round down on that stat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Totally. Uh, Number of karate montages, Four. Yeah, what are we doing? We don't care about. Right. What are we doing here? Not only that, like the rival dojo guy was like, oh, "I want to face off against you, Trent," and I'm like, "Please, yeah, yeah, right. yeah." That guy just disappeared halfway through the episode. Trent's like, "Some other time." Right, right. It's like, okay, maybe I'm- in our spinoff that gets canceled. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, Yeah, this one had almost zero Walker in it and was all about Sons of Thunder and Sons of Thunder pales in comparison to Fox and Coyote. So I'm giving this one a two uh, and I feel like that's being pretty generous. Mm, mm, mm. Wow, okay, all right. I guess I'm going to have to be the good guy here because I looked at some of my other ratings and as far as enjoyment level, there were a lot of things to enjoy in this episode. And it does feature a little more Walker than we've seen in some previous episodes, like Behind the Badge, where it's all Trevette all the time. We actually do get to see Chuck Norris shirtless in this episode. So, um, you know, I'm going to give this one a four. Oh, I wow. thought you were going to go like six or seven, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's definitely not worth the watch. It's not over five, but it wasn't horrendous. Just take away shirtless Chuck Norris. Where does the score go? Well, if you it, you also two. get Chuck Norris driving up to a guy and pulling him into his cab and knocking him out, so that's pretty good. But uh, if someone saw this episode, they would think that the show was all about Trent and Carlos, not Walker. That's why I say this one is very close to Behind the Badge when Trevette is the main character, which I rated a four. And I would also say that this episode is better than The Neighborhood. Yeah, but Behind the Badge had a boat vehicular transference in that. Yeah, it had a know. boat chase. It <laughs> yeah. had the it had the motorcycle chase. Yeah. Uh and the neighborhood had that incredible super shot. Like this had none of that. What mm-hmm. are you gonna remember from this except for them telling him that his brother it wasn't on drugs when he died? And the total gym ad. <laughs> I'm telling you the total, total gym ad. The total, the total gym, gym ad sold it for me here on this one. That's what got me. Yeah, okay. I'll tell well, you, man. That that was in. <laughs> blatant slow-mo shots of chuck norris working the total gym and Ooh. then spotting trent Ooh. while he's shirtless doing it too wow i'm breaking a Ooh. sweat talking about yeah, this i do declare i got to get some ice water mm. all right well that gives this episode a roundhouse rating of three boots to the face <laughs> and i think we can all agree that adam needs a total gym for his birthday Ooh. probably just for my life <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let us know what you think on social media or by emailing us at roundhouseroulette at gmail.com. When we come back, we're going to spin that roundhouse roulette wheel and select our next episode. And we're back. Bob, you ready to spin that wheel? Let's do this. Wow, we are going to late season, and we have been lamenting that we haven't seen Gage and Sydney for a while, so this should do it. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. This will be a two-parter. This is Showdown at Casa Diablo, so, you know, the devil's house. Let's let's do it. (laughs) All right, so part one. While investigating a rancher's murder, Walker Hmm. and the Rangers uncover a massive drug smuggling operation. That's the least surprising thing I've ever heard. Yeah, Rancher's <laughs> murder, huh? I haven't heard that one before. All right. Well, we hope you'll join us next time when we rate and review Showdown at Casa Diablo Part 1, Season 8, Episode 21. In the meantime, feel free to share your opinions with us on Facebook and on Instagram at, at Roundhouse Roulette and on Twitter at, at Roundhouse Pod. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your fine podcast. Thanks for listening. 
And until next time, may, may the, the eyes, eyes of the, the ranger, ranger be upon you. you. When you're in Texas, look behind you. Oh, cause that's where the ranger's gonna be.